What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Coat. And team, we've got a very special guest on the podcast here today. We've got Brock Snyder from Ludex. How are you doing today, man? Fantastic. Fantastic. It's a Monday. I'm excited to be talking to you, so let's get into it. I'm excited to have you, man. Let's talk a little bit about Ludex. Now, for those of you who went to the National, that was my first exposure to Ludex. And I feel like it might be a lot of people's first exposure to to Ludex. Uh, They had pretty significant marketing there. You guys had your own lounge, which for some reason I just couldn't find. But I saw I saw banners of the lounge everywhere. <laughs> you guys had Brian Erlacher there as well. Talk to me a little bit about what uh before we let's go into what what is Ludex. Let's go into what is Ludex and then we'll talk about the national and we'll go from there. So yeah, what is sure. Ludex for those of those people who maybe seen signage or maybe never even heard of it? Sure. No. Um so simply Ludex is it's an app. Um, that helps collectors identify what you have, tells you what it's worth, pulling live eBay comps every five minutes. Uh, and now, recently, we've just developed the ability to one-click uh, to auto-list it to eBay. So we're a tool. Uh, we're on the App Store. We're available on the Google Play Store. We're a tool that just helps collectors focus on collecting. Um, I think, for me, I, I, I'm a massive collector. I have been my whole life. The challenge is, just the arguments around what something's worth, what you have, what do you do with it? Um, and I think the tool that we have helps you just kind of focus on having the fun, opening packs, buying new cards, going to card shows, um, and, and having kind of like a one-stop shop to be able to do everything. Because from my experience, the challenge is, is someone's on Twitter, someone's on Instagram, someone uses alt, someone uses another platform, um, which kind of creates a challenge, especially if you're a new collector. So we're really geared towards you know, having a value add in, in, a, in a home for not only new collectors, veteran collectors, really like all walks of life um, to just have fun. So that's yeah. Ludex in a nutshell. So I've had, a pl- I've had the pleasure of playing with Ludex uh, for the last maybe two months or so. I have definitely found it useful, um, particularly in the like comping side. And I mean, we can get into, you know, what are actual comps and all that other jazz, but at the very least, like you kind of want a starting point. That's kind of like how I view comps is like, you want to see what, what generally the market is paying for this specific card. And I mean, there are numbers, numerous ways to do that. You can go manually into eBay and click completed listings and do that yourself, type in the, the, the card's name and make sure you get the parallel right and, and all that stuff. Uh, you can also go into 130 point. There's Terra Peak. There's so many different ways to do this. But to your point, if you're a new collector, it, it becomes super challenging to, I mean, I, I've tried to explain what eBay, co- like going into completed listings was to someone without actually visually showing them. And even that becomes very difficult. So I find that, you know, if left alone, Ludex is like, if the average collector that is, is left alone, or a new collector that is, is left alone, I find Ludex is a great way for them to to really, especially with the inclusion of, you know, adding eBay listings directly from the app. It's a very quick, like one-stop shop. Like this is how much it's going for roughly. And just like add that if I was looking to sell it. There's also like, there's portfolio features as well, right? Like 
Um, so you can kind of like keep track of your collection if you care about a numeric value or maybe you, I mean, it does take some pretty nice scans and I don't even know how you guys manage to, to filter through light and all that other jazz, but it, it, it actually takes pretty nice scans of your, of your cards. And so if you, even if you wanted to just have a portfolio of your cards to show your friends, you know, rather than having like scrolling through your, your pictures and, you know, eventually coming across the, the, the card in question, I find that is also super useful. Now, I will say that, you know, for someone who does majority soccer and hockey, there are some comps or some cards that, that Ludix isn't able to comp right now. Um, any word on when that's going to, you know, what you guys are doing in terms of working on that and, and any timelines? I mean, obviously, this is with technology, it's very hard to to kind of like figure that out. But I'm, I'm sure that like, you know, some of my other listeners who could collect or do collect hockey or soccer or something of that nature might be interested in something like that. You know, when, when can we get it up and running for just like across the board? Yeah, I'll answer that. And first of all, I appreciate you giving a little more depth. I want to yeah. explain a little more yeah. uh, that I, that I think will give context or at least pique people's interest. Um, so soccer and hockey, I mean, we're, we're, we've added the newer sets. I would say here's we're in beta until um, we solidify a category coming out. We like to be at 90% accuracy yeah. of raw cards before we really put our stamp of approval on it. Um, I would say we're probably two to three months out for our hockey and soccer okay. to be where our football, basketball, and baseball are. Um, and kind of just going back to the app, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back in terms of how we'll do a better job of communicating to our users where we're at, because I think yeah. that's something that's kind of missing in the hobby is a little – just transparency like I'm across the board you know, with like yeah, every like company. We, we're not perfect yeah. we're not going to be yeah. perfect always but at the very least i think a, a goal of ours and a goal of mine here is allowing people to understand what the expectation is and what they can expect out of us so there's no false um expectation which is really like the worst part so as you kind of were alluding to before is when you scan a card what i think is a really awesome thing especially for new collectors is it categorizes it by sport. So let's say you scanned a basketball card. It's going to dump your card into a basketball category. Same thing with football, same thing with baseball, soccer, hockey. Um, and what's nice about that is within that subfolder, you have automated, automated valuation changing. You have a search bar so you can type in, you know, Cubs or LeBron James or a set. So the search function, if you're at a card show or, you just like don't know if you had that card. It's so handy. I can't tell you how. I mean, I think you could relate to this. Like, how often do you forget about what you have? Yeah, I mean, quite frequently. At least, at the very least, I forget about like how many of like something I have. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, I guess <laughs> that's a different problem. Yeah. <laughs> I've du I've duplicate Ovechkin rookies. I was like, do I have like three, four? I don't know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, and then. Not to neglect, because I think oftentimes I do, is our Magic and Pokemon is probably our strongest uh, category. Um, we have all those sets up to date, and it's a little simpler because the sports cards, the parallels, that's where yeah. the challenge comes into play. And that's really our competitive advantage is getting the parallels. But we have a TCG option where not only can you track your cards, but you can also build decks. Um so we're, like I said, we're really just trying to like simplify all these things and give you the ability to go out there and have fun. I love that. Now, a lot of people, um, you know, when I've talked about this in the past, I've talked about, you know, 
the fact that it isn't free. Um, so do you want to either dispel that? Do you want to, you know, talk about the value in maybe a paid membership versus the free option? Because I mean, they're actually wrong. There is a free option. And the, uh, the free option I, I think is pretty good if we're talking about the baseline, like new person to the hobby, because correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're allowed to scan, what is it? 20 scan and list 20 cards or you can scan, uh, you can scan 200 cards a month. There you go. See, so I'll so. just break it down. Yeah. So the free users, you get 200 scans. Um, you can store up to 60 cards in your portfolio. So that means you can actually save. And that means they're, they're tracking the pricing over time. Um, and you now with this new eBay list tool option have the ability to list five cards per month. Man, so that's the free version. I think it's enough to kind of get dirty and, and have some stickiness or really find your own value. Cause for us, I think we found, I don't want to force you to do anything. I want yeah. you to see the value in it yourself. And I think now that we have this ability to list to a marketplace, I think we'll see a bit of a difference in, in really understanding the value of why you would pay for us. Um, because for the paid membership, it's $9.99 a month, or you can pay 80 annually. And with that, unlimited. I mean, you're kind of free reign um, in terms of scanning, tracking, what cards you have in your portfolio. So you can put as many cards as you want. Um, and now you'll have the ability to list um, 50 cards to eBay per month. Um, we're going to be introducing a new tier that's going to be $25.99 or $24.99. And that's going to give you the ability to do 250 scans a month, which is the cap as an eBay seller. You're allowed to have 250 listings. So that's the different tiers we're kind of trying to adhere to. Um, and kind of gives you enough to to figure out what lane you're in. The God tier membership. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're an active seller. I mean, listen, I'm biased, but I'm telling you, anyone can relate to this. Selling cards sucks. It's it's there's it's so fun to buy stuff in your brain. You justify, oh, I'm gonna sell this for you know two x that. But when the time comes to sell, you're no different than me. You don't want to do it. So now with this ability to in real time, like you're watching Justin Herbert, for instance, just bawling. Now you don't have to spend all this time typing, boom, auto list eBay. Um, so I'm really curious to see how collectors value this and, and what the perception is. How does it populate the, uh, like, how does it just quick, quickly populate, like all the things that we, we normally have to like click and drag and all, like when it comes to like manually doing an eBay listing? So we, we have our own tech team in-house. So we did like a little case study looking at what were the most, and also we, I, I networked and we spoke with people at eBay, uh, big sellers um, and new collectors. We understood what were the field categories that were not only necessary from a minimal standpoint, but also what added the most value to the listing being sold. Um, so from there, that kind of helped give us the framework or the outline of, of what fields were needed from a description, to um, uh, your shipping st your shipping status, to what listing status it is, to where you're shipping from. Um, it's like, it's four or five really easy steps. And that was essentially walking you through what a massive upload process is on eBay. Um, we are to pick out the nuggets that matter, um, get you there. And then if any modifications that you wanna make, you do that in the eBay app. Our whole goal, at least this first iteration, was to just get people selling and help them kind of get familiar with the process. Yeah. How does it uh, determine whether it's like a, I don't know, like a mint or a, 
near mint? Like, does it, does it, it, does it do that manually or do you have to manually put that in? You have to manually do that. So, okay. and I think this is, this is a good point you're bringing up because a lot of people confuse us with potentially AI grading yeah. or kind of giving you like a soft raw grade by no means are we helping with condition. Um, we're literally here to identify, tell you what you have and help you sell it. So that's up to you as, as, as the, as the seller, um, which I think is, is helpful and then unhelpful in the same point, because I think a lot of new collectors do need that help. They're not quite sure. Um, so it's, like I said, it's kind of up to you just to decide whether that's new mint, excellent, good. Um, and the user selects that. Yeah. But it, I mean, to your point about new collectors, like it's, I don't know what's, what, what's more necessary. I mean, knowing how to grade something or knowing how to sell, right? Like I, I personally, I'd probably say knowing how to sell because mm-hmm. at the very least you, you're able to like get some liquidity and potentially like maybe you open a box and you got something that has some value or, you know, let's say you open a box, pull a card, have no idea how much it costs. It's numbered card though, number to 50. So you're like, okay, let me scan this thing. Uh, you scan it, you find out through the Lutics app, it's 40 bucks. Okay. You're like, okay, it's great. This is $40, but this isn't, isn't $40 that like I want, like it's, it's that I want to put into my collection again. Right. So how would I go about doing that? Well, I mean, you can actually list it and ideally it sells, let's say, even if it's for 30, $35 on eBay. Um, and then all of a sudden, like now there's liquidity there. Now you can go and buy exactly what you want versus like, I think that the grading game has changed so much. And even if you are like incredibly experienced at grading, there's just so many factors that determine whether or not you get your cards back in the condition that's ideal for making money. Like we've almost reached a state now where, and I'm strictly talking dollars and cents when it comes to grading. Um, We've reached a state now where most PSA nines, are the equivalent value, if not less than a raw copy. Uh, if you get an eight, you're definitely losing money on that transaction. Uh, tens, I mean, sometimes they're three X, sometimes they're 10 X. It really, uh, whatever, whatever the multiplier is for that specific card, but it, it really is kind of like a, it's like a gamble on that 10. And I find that especially if you're a new collector and I mean, grading has been such a focal point in the hobby for the last, let's say five years. Um, and maybe as, as soon as three years, it is very easy to kind of get wrapped up in that. And and I just find that, you know, we kind of have to take a step back and, and really evaluate what we're sending in these days, because I, I've seen, like, I, I do group submissions with uh, a group uh, in Toronto. And the, some of the things I see coming back as like, as like nines or eights or sixes, I'm like, you know, I understand like a, a six here and there, but it's like, I, I will see like, like someone's entire sub and it's like seven, eight, and they're like ultra modern cards. And I'm like, man, that's that sense. you're just not, you, you, you probably shouldn't be grading these. You know what I mean? And so, um, and even the 10 is like maybe one and a half X and it's like a base card. You're like, man, this is like, I wish someone just like had a conversation with you. And said, like, you know, it probably isn't a good idea to like to grade these cards, truthfully, right? So it's yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, what is what is it that that the newer collectors need? What is it that the average collector needs? I think liquidity. I think liquidity is very important, especially uh in in the current market, right? Where 
I think a lot of cards are probably overvalued, especially when they first come out. And so having that ability to kind of list them as quickly as possible is definitely beneficial. 100%. And I think you touched upon something really important from a new collector standpoint. And I think collecting overall, and this is kind of a core, I don't know, foundation of, of my collecting values is I think first and foremost, if you're going to get a card and not everyone feels this way. So I get, I understand this, but first and foremost, if you get a card like it, because then no matter what happens, you're good. Right. And I think you touched upon something also that, that some new collectors get made fun of for. And I think there's twofold to this is people get self-graded and maybe they just like it. Maybe they just yeah, want yeah, it. For sure. And I know cool. you relate to this as well. Yeah. Um, is, is, is there's two, twofold here. Like, do you want to just hold on to it? Cause you think it looks cool and you want it encapsulated or do you really want to look at this in an investment standpoint? And I think that's where things are getting real hairy and tricky because to your point, things are moving so fast. When a new set comes out, that's when it's at its peak, right? Even, even a, a very, like a, like a Julio Rodriguez or a big star, you're going to see that value come down once tops Chrome, the, the, the hype of it is gone. So, yeah. or even people, next year, right? Like, even though like he had an incredible season this year, like there's no way Julio stuff went up. Do you know what I mean? There's just no way. Like it, it's, it's so like, hard, man. Even Bobby Wood Jr. went 30, 30. And I don't think his stuff went up, you know, like, and that's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really hard. And that's why, again, to your point is I think you need to, you need to take your time and look at where things are moving and start to really pay attention to trends. When things are in season, that's when things are coming up. Uh, when a player does well, that's when things are coming up. Um, I think before you buy something, um, do do your research. Look at what what's going like. Use a tool like Ludix. Use a tool like One Thirty Point. Look look at content creators. Um, I think more than ever, people need to pay attention as to what's going on, so you're not feeling burned and um, yeah, you're you're not frustrated with with the outcome of your your pickups. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, just to be clear, like I, th- I wasn't bashing anyone for grade, grading something coming back an eight. Like I've had plenty of things come back eights that I'm like, I just don't care what, the, what this card grades. I just, I strictly want it encapsulated. You know, it might be a card from like the nineties and I'm like, I find this card beautiful or a card I need to like finish a set. Um, because I've lately been like digging into the PSA registry, bro. I know you lo- like, so <laughs> different in this regard, I remember we talked about this. I don't like getting self graded. I no. prefer it in a one touch or just sitting in a top loader. Um, and you correct me if I'm wrong. You, you just want, you want it encapsulated no matter what. That's I grade you- so much. Yeah. So much stuff. Yeah. It's um, I don't know. I find that like as someone who is notoriously, uh, I got like fat fingers, man. You know what I mean? Like, and so I want, like, I'll pull my card out of, like, the top loader. And if I do it enough times, I find, like, I, like, mash up an edge or, like, despite, like, being around cards my whole life. But just, like, or I'll, like, trip or something. You know, like, something ridiculous. Like, I'll, like, fall off my chair a little bit. And I'm like, God, how did it drop on the ground, you know? And so <laughs> I minimize that happening when it's in a slab. Another thing is, like, I'm very, like, organized. And so... You know, when they're slabs, I can have them like all in like one, like this is like one box and like very easy to sift through. Like I, I guess I could do that with like a binder too. And I do have binders. Like don't get it, like, don't get it twisted. I got a bunch of binders with um like partially completed or completed sets, but there's just something about like virtually checking off a box, man. I'm telling you the PSA registry is a, uh, it's a good time. 
That's your thing. Can I ask you a question? Go for it. Gloss yeah. over one thing. Yeah. So, because I don't really have experience. I've never done a bulk submission. Um, and I have a friend who's really good at looking over my cards and kind of mm-hmm. helps advise in that regard. Yeah. Um, like, do you review it yourself? Do you send it to someone? What would your advice be for newer collectors or people who don't quite have that experience? Yeah, of course, man. So I do not, I don't ask anyone for a review or anything. I mean, personally, I think it's a waste of money. I think that the amount of money that you put in, like, I mean, the average person charges, let's say two or three bucks and it sounds like nothing, but you're asking someone's opinion before it goes to someone else's opinion. And to me, it's like, uh, it's like a bit asinine, you know, like it's, it's like even, and this person is not a guarantee. I mean, truthfully, even the grading company is not a guarantee either. So I just would say get really familiar with um, other cards in that set. So what I normally do, because I'm not like the master of cards, you know, like it's not like I can tell you every issue with every set and every subset. What I'll do is I'll look up PSA 10s of that card and I'll look up like 20 of them, 20, 25 of them, and I'll see what they look like in p- comparison to mine, right? And what that means is like, I'll look at like, especially now with uh, PSA scanning all of their slabs, it's beautiful mm-hmm. because if it's a newer slab, I'll be able to see like front and back photos because those are typically the ones that they upload to eBay or other selling platforms. And I'm able to like zoom in to things like corners, edges, surface is a tougher one to, to establish for sure. And honestly, probably one that you're going to get hit the hardest for if you, if you mess up. So for that one, I would recommend having like several different lights. And so like, I have like one here, I have like one like overhead, I have another one to the side. And what I mean by having several different lights is you just like tilt it in every direction possible. You just kind of like gradually move through several different lights. Like I said, like an overhead, like one to the side, just to see how the surface looks, not just in one, in one light, but in, in multiple different lights, because that's the kind of inspection that this card is going to be getting from a grader. Um, my next suggestion was, would be to, you know, a, a lot of people, trick themselves into believing that their card is a 10 and and this happens a lot and this happened to me early on right where like i was like oh yeah this is a 10 you know and even though you know that you see like a white corner you know you're like yeah it's a 10 you know like it doesn't have to be like a butchered corner but something where you're like eh, like i don't if you don't feel a hundred percent confident in that 10 and the value and now right right now we're just talking value not talking nostalgia not talking anything but if I see something that's like even remotely off about like a, a, like a card, like I said, like maybe there's like a little whitening on the corner or like some free on the edges. And I'm talking ultra modern card. If I see that the nine is, I don't know, like considerably less or like less than the graded price. And the 10 is only like a bit of a bump up. Let's say it's a raw card. It's like 40 bucks. The 10 is like 75, for instance, and the nine is like 35 or 30. I'm probably not sending that in, yeah. right? Because to me, or like even if the card is like 90 bucks and I'm sending in like a $40 card, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Like number one, I'm I'm praying that, and this is where looking at other 10s is crucial because like if you see other 10s with the same factory issue, it's entirely possible that PSA is already aware that this card in this set has this specific issue. And there's like a few cards that I, I 
I know personally that have like some of these issues. Um, and so like, I'll actually, I'll, I'll acquire those. And I'm like, yeah, let's see, like, you know, if, if the standards have changed or, or if, if I'm pretty spot on here. Um, but if, if it's not like a standard, if it's not an issue that, that PSA is aware of and it happens frequently and, and they've actually given the 10 in instances like that, I, I, I try not to, to believe in fairy tales. Like I try not to, to think that, you know, why, why me, why am I going to be the one that gets the 10 here when like, I can see this. And so imagine what a professional grader sees, because all it takes is like that, that edge wear plus like a little dimple on the surface for that thing to be like an eight or a nine. And then, cause I mean, there's always things that you don't really see, even if you like use a magnifying glass or right. Like you, we don't, two people don't have the same eyes. You know, there's a joke going around that like, you know, sometimes the grader doesn't have his coffee in the morning or, you know, you got a, you got a grader at 5 p.m. on a Friday, right? Like, you don't know what that person's circumstances are. Uh, you have no idea that at the end of the day, it's graded by a human being. And uh, so I think the biggest issue with, you know, new collectors submitting cards and, and even like maybe even experienced collectors, but people who don't submit cards regularly is that they 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 but they they trick themselves into believing that it's a it's a 10 when realistically it's probably not and then that's kind of where they end up with you know five or six maybe eights in a sub and they're like that was a 10 and i'm like but like how many cards have you graded to say that it's a 10 though do you know what i mean like i've uh and not to say like i'm like this like master of grading either like i probably graded i don't know maybe 500 cards 550 right like that's like not a crazy number but yeah and then you know if you add in the fact that like cards are other people grade and stuff like that like we're we're definitely up there but it, it just it's like trial and error right the only way that you get better at something is by continuing to do it and so you know rather than spending the three bucks and having someone else review it i honestly think that if you just put all that time and energy into really learning and that's part of the fun for me you know like that's one of the reasons why i like grading is because for me it's like the one place where I'm like willing to gamble. I'm not willing to gamble on, on opening boxes or opening packs, right? Like, um, you know, I, I gamble on the player to a certain extent, but even then, like I, you won't, honestly, you probably won't catch me dead gambling on like the, the top prospect in a class buying, like as soon as it comes out, like that's, that's just not what I'm going to do. But what I will try to do is I'll try to use my expertise with respect to, you know, my eyes for, for grading and raw cards and stuff of that nature in order to kind of like get some value there. <clears throat> and so for me, it's kind of like a game of like, you know, are my eyes still good? <laughs> how, do, how well do I know this set? Yeah. <laughs> and I actually like, if I get a card back that I think was going to gem and it comes back like a, like a nine or 10, like, or nine, uh, eight or nine, like I'm, I'm like genuinely butthurt. like <laughs> 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 that's not to say that i don't expect nines because there are definitely cards where i send that send in i'm like this is a nine at best <laughs> you know like i'm like this is a nine at best and it comes back and it's like an eight and i'm like ah, I, yeah, I yeah. you know but yeah no just being super uh honest about shit like that and i find especially when it comes to, like numbered cards like serially numbered cards people are like unwilling to you know i've seen some like really off-center stuff and they're you know, people are like, oh, like, do you think this is a gem? I'm like, no, that's like a seven, bro. Like, just on centering alone, you know, like, and they're like, well, it's out of like 10. I'm like, but that doesn't change the fact that it's like not 
a gem though. You know, like just it's fine. There's no issue having a raw card. I mean, to your point, but it's like just because it's low numbered, it's actually you know it hurts the soul a little bit. But it's doesn't mean it's a ten. Just just because it's valuable and it, you know in a perfect world, I guess. But if every valuable that, card was a gem, then would gems be valuable? I think that goes to again um, people looking at this also is another issue we could get into is people looking at listed pr- cards versus sold, right? You yeah. get a big boy card or a low serial number card. You immediately go look and see what's listed or what has potentially sold for, at a PSA 10. And you start to hype yourself up like, Oh man, like, you know, this, this hundred dollar raw card could be a $2,000 card. And to your point, it's probably not most likely it's not. Um, unless you really know what you're looking at, uh, it's probably not. And even then, it, it, I fall, I fall, I think we all fall in this trap. Of course. Yeah, you yeah. have to fantasize about <laughs> what could be. Um, and that's why I think, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be realistic with yourself. You gotta use your resources and tools um, and not give yourself this, this false expectation that you're a millionaire from this card because you're not, unfortunately. I mean, it's kind of wild because especially if you're ripping like a set where the players are playing, like right now, let's say you hit a Brock Purdy. I mean, even out of like NT, for instance, right? NT just came Mm -hmm. out, Flawless just came out, Flawless rather. And you hit like the true RPA and you're like, you know what? Again, because there's an emphasis on grading. I'm going to grade this card. 49ers are 4-0. I mean, it's entirely possible that you send that card in and he gets injured it takes like let's say it takes two weeks door to door he gets injured you get an eight back on that card and like now you've like you had the most value even even though it was raw because this card just came out and like those were the circumstances but now under the new circumstances like you just got like a ding for the the grade and you just got a ding for the fact that he's injured you know like it's it's a lot of this is like timing and um and that's why like sometimes it's your best bet is is the one where you don't try to like you know i have this conversation with a buddy of mine who plays like a lot of blackjack and uh sometimes he'll go on a run and he'll do i don't know he'll get like he'll he'll win like eight or nine hands in a room and he always loses like you know like the seven eight nine and i was like well why did you keep fucking going you know and like his thing is like like one like one and a half x and like sometimes that leads to like a double and like all of a sudden they're like rolling rolling you know because like a few hands in a row you're, you're laughing he's like no i had I had the juice you got to keep going and um i was like well why did like like when does it stop do you know like when do you like when when do you hit the when do you hit the pause button you know because like you had like 15x your money you know like you had like 15x buy-in or 15x your initial bet right so my point in saying that is that like a lot of times people, they, they want to extract as much value as humanly possible from grading. And I've seen that actually when people were talking about the Babe Ruth Superfractor with a $200,000 bounty. You know, some people are in the comment section being like, oh, you should grade that card and then try to sell it. I'm like, my friends, there's a $200,000 bounty on it. Okay. Just sell it. Just sell it. Just give it to them. Give it to them. You know, give it, give it away. It's gone. Finished. Right. It's uh surreal honestly i just 
But I guess that's a human nature to try to like extract as much value as you may possible. I have an example of, of this exactly. And uh, shout out to Mark's Card Shop. I don't know. Are you familiar with them at all? It's a really small shop out of here, so I wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> They're out of uh, Downers Grove, Illinois. Nice. Um, but so Mark um, pulled last year when Opus Contender first off the line came out, he pulled a Mac Jones shield at one of one when Mac Jones was still, yeah, he was, he was playing well and it went viral. It was all like, he got everything you could want from that. Right. Like Jemmet reposted it. All the content creators were posting it. Um, the hype was there. Golden's reaching out. All these auction houses are reaching out. And um, personally, again, it's easy for me to, to from yeah, my of course. To say what to do. But <clears throat> and like a year and a half later, you know? Yeah. I'm like, dude, sell this now. Like you, and he was getting offers, you know, for, I think it was, he had an offer for a hundred grand with trade and the cards that were being traded to him were like MJ's like, yeah. Like, that shit. Can yeah. I swear? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and he did it. He got it graded. It got a nine. So by the time it got graded, by the time it came back, it was a couple months. And that card that should have been, you know, at least, let's call it at least 20 grand. I think yeah. it ended up selling on Golden for, for 16. Like, let's not shit on it. Like, that's awesome. No, I Thanks. mean, it's a, it's a pack pulled card from this year that sold for 16. It's great. But, like, I, actually, I mean, yeah, two, no, I, well, I mean, by this year, I mean, the, the year that, that like, that yeah. you ripped the card, the, the pack from. Um, but yeah, like, I think that's a perfect example. Like, personally, and I think you're in the same camp. If you pull it, sell it immediately. Because and that is like, if it's something that you don't want, you know what I mean? If this yeah. is like something that you're not keeping for like the rest of your life, a guy you PC, whatever, right? Like, that's where I'm like, get rid of it. You know, get rid of it. It's not even worth it. It's, you know, right. use that and like buy something you really like. I don't care if you take your mom on vacation or you pay your goddamn rent and you use a little bit left for sports cards. Like, you know, just like do something you're really going to enjoy with that money that like this came out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. So I agree 100%. Brock, we got to talk a little bit about your collecting. I mean, you've mentioned it a few times. You don't grade your cards, which is, I mean, pretty interesting actually. But yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong? Why, why the, the, the no grading cards? I, I just grew up like a binder kid. I, uh, That's okay. I'm 32. So I grew up with like the Pokemon craze um, from the Game Boy to, to like the trading element of it. So I think visually, like, I, and, and my passion always came from, I love, to your point, I love organizing. Yeah. I love organizing in binders. So like I have a Topps Chrome Refractor binder where I have all the oranges, I have all the blacks, I have all the blues. Um, I really enjoy seeing a card in that aesthetic. And also for me, I found that if I separate the value from just the collectible stuff, it makes it a lot more fun for me. If I become too obsessive around, well, fuck that went down in value. And I, you know, I don't want to obsess about it. I like to yeah. just kind of focus my mind on what I like, enjoying what I like and keeping it in that way. And then I have other cards that I look at as more of an investment, um, so for me, I guess that's kind of like my origin story. I grew up playing Magic. Um, so building decks, and I think that's another like very visual uh, collectible. Yes. Um, and then early 2000 basketball stuff. I just think those cards were early game use patches, upper deck, 
Um, as I said, tops grown, like that stuff is close to my heart. Have you tried using a deck builder? No. Like with like it, it's terrible. I don't care what anybody says. What Moxfield? Like Moxfield? You're saying? Yeah, I'm just like I, I mean, honestly, anything that you can add like a virtual card, in, it's just not the same. No. Like, I just like I. And like I, I'm going through this process right now because like I'm I'm building like a commander deck and yeah, you are I I know I know, but the <laughs> amount of cards that I've bought already and I'm like ah, I don't want this in my deck anymore. But like I would never know that until it's like actually in it and like I'm like messing around with it. I'm like this doesn't work anymore, you know. But like you're you're looking at it visually and you're like oh I can see how this could work, and like once you're playing you're like no don't like it. This is like I keep getting stuck with this thing in my hand. Like this is useless. <laughs> From like I it's like. You try so hard to not put like uh like more money than you need to into it, but it's just not it's just not possible for me. Like no, I'm yeah, definitely I, I'm I, hands on, like I'm like I'm I'm too very visual. It's just funny that like you and I are both visual and very hands on, but like I went one way with respect to like sports car stuff and you went the other way. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I haven't played a lot with Moxfield. Um I would be it behoove me if I didn't plug the Ludex uh deck builder. Yeah, of course. And I do have feedback on that. Like I think but you have to scan your own cards, though. Yes. So that's yeah, yeah. so that's different. Killing two birds at once. That's time. different. I'm talking about like like brand. Like I don't even own the card. I'm like I'm putting it yeah. in a deck. You know what I mean? I'm like ah, oh, this is like I hate this shit. It's like it's not. It's just not the same, man. It's just like a list, and the list yeah. doesn't. I can't actually see like see the synergies and stuff. But keep it's going. Like buying followers. Yes, it's awful. You know? Why it's would like, you do that? Yeah. It's fake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't know from from the people, the magic people I talk to. Um, if you, I guess if you play a ton, it helps you identify whether a card works in your, and I know that's what you're getting at. Like it helps you figure out what works in the flow and what doesn't, but I'm with you, man. Like use what you got. Yeah. I mean, and like the only reason why I would have like a deck list is just like show other people, right? Like, just like, you know, like, oh, here it is. But in terms of like helping you build it, I'm like, this doesn't, this not, this is useless. I'm like, I can't run 10,000 hands off this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't I can't run like a whole simulated game against someone else with this. Right. You know? So yeah, there's something about it. Talk to me about did you just collect cards? Do you collect other things, memorabilia? Do you are you into sport? I mean, yeah, I guess you're into sports. Cubbies? I would I mean, okay, so I'm from the north side, I guess per se. Uh I'm a Chicago fan. I'm I'm sure people will shit on that. Um Why? I'm I'm not the because People in Chicago, like, you got to pick a side. You got to be Cubs or White Sox. Like, I guess if gun to head, I have to pick one Cubs. But if the White Sox are killing it, like, I'm going to support the White Sox too. Like, yeah. they're great. And the go to White Sox games are just as fun as going to Cubs games. Uh, massive, massive sports fan. Uh, diehard Bears fan. Uh, My condolences, sir. Dude, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's tough. Yesterday's, uh, yesterday's was rough, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was rough. Justin Fields played his ass off too, man. But then it's just like the untimely turnovers. Just untimely. It's uh, being a Chicago Bears fan is it's insane. It's legitimately insane. It can't like, be worse than being a Leaf fan, though. I don't really know about what's going on with the Leafs. Talk awful, to me. Awful. I mean, we it's been like 60 years since we won a Stanley Cup. All right. So and we're we're the second most valuable franchise in the in the entire NHL. Okay, so it's very similar, right? Historic so. franchise, yeah. super valued, probably yeah. a really dedicated, loyal fan yeah. base. Can't get their shit together. When was the last time you guys made the playoffs? Uh we made 
made the playoffs in 2017 with Mitch Trubisky. I hate that uh, guy, by the way. The double doink. I hate that. You remember guy. that? Yeah, I do. That guy was. He's. he's a, I'm a Steelers fan. I can't stand him. I was calling. <laughs> I was calling him Trushitsky when he when we picked him up. I was like, Why? Hey, we shout out to guy? Mitch Trubisky, baby. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Don't let them hold you on your <laughs> Yeah. How'd that happen? I don't know, man. You're in Toronto. You have no. You have to pick something. You know, we I have nothing. Think, I think you do uh, Bills by proximity. Yeah, kind of. No, I don't know. We never, never going to a game was never like a thing. Yeah, the Steelers. That was like Iron Curtain. It was like you know. It was like, I, I love Mike Tom. Mike Tomlin. Too. Were like TV commercials for like Troy Polamalu when I was growing up. You know, like yeah, so, it's true. We, it was, our era. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, this, these guys are. Legit, yeah. Well, going back to what you at about like collecting though, I, dude, I'm I'm a, I'm kind of a hoarder myself. Like I love sports memorabilia. I don't spend like I'm not like this big high roller guy. But I like my job is I go to a lot of card shows now. Um, so I love picking up like little tchotchkes. I like, um, I don't know. Like I have a buddy who loves like vintage boxing stuff. So I love like looking for stuff for him or. I love like the historical element of, of looking at some of that stuff and, and, and encapsulating it and keeping it in like a nice display case. So whether it be an old magazine or an old play um, program from a game, or I don't know, like an old comic book, I'm very visual. Like if, it, if I think it looks cool, then I, that, that's what I want. Doesn't it goes visuals, I guess, then value for me. Yeah. Um, Do you have so, like a, a dedicated room in your, in your, in your place? Uh, you know, I they got a little bit everywhere. My wife uh probably fucking hates it. Hates but it. Hates it, it. Yeah. I have a little like desk that I've been given. <laughs> <laughs> but like, here's where like, you can put your stuff, honey. Yeah, exactly. Like I go through phases. I think I'm a very big like phase guy in collectibles. Like over yeah. COVID, I got really into Legos again. So I was building like car Legos. So I got like, like a whole little how big, how big are these like, like cars? I like the little I like like the the little guy, not the massive ones okay, because it's okay. too much space. And then yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. project. Like I'm yeah. a, and I got ADD, so I got to be in and out. Okay. Um, recently I, my dad, I just got his hot wheel collection. That is from the early sixties. Red wheels, like from made from Hong Kong, USA. Um, I still box. And, yeah. Like I have like probably 60 red, red wheels, hot wheels that are in pretty solid condition. So that's my new obsession is figuring out ways of displaying those and then looking at the value. Like that's, I think what everyone can relate to, right? It's yeah, like you go find this new, this new loot, this new load. And then the fun is like going through what you have and then displaying the cool shit that you, that really speaks to you. That's what yeah. I love. Yeah. No, I mean, I would agree with you 100%, man. I uh, can't remember the last time I, I took home like a lot though, you know, like a, like a hidden gems. Yeah. You seem you know to be picking, picking up some some beauties lately. Yeah, you know what's fun? And this is, again, I guess like a shameless plug, is we here, like a lot of times we'll send out cards or like want to do research on a new set. So we'll buy. Sometimes we'll go to a, a show and buy a value box. I'm telling you, this is a ton of fun. Is yeah. using the app and just going through it. Because there's no way you know, if you do, more power to you. But like that treasure hunting element, and then also kind of just being able to see what visually speaks to you is a lot of fun. Well, like yeah, this morning, actually, uh, there was a, a bunch of articles posted about like Miggy retiring. And over the last 
like six months, I've been like accumulating like a, a fair bit of Miggy stuff. Smart. Because yeah, well, I was like, man, this guy is like, everyone's chasing Ellie de la Cruz and Corbin Carroll and you know even Acuna. I'm like, that's great. Like, listen, these are all great players and they've had great seasons. But I'm like, we're talking about Miggy, man. You know, like this guy's won two MVPs. He won a triple crown, which is like next to impossible to do. Insane. Like twelve time All Star. You know, like six batting titles i think and uh i was like this guy's doing his retiree tour like i didn't i have no plan on selling this like i did the same thing with with pujols when he was like it was like a like probably nine months before his retiring and uh, i was like i'm just gonna stack up on pools everyone was buying who was everyone buying i think it might, might have been buying shohei at the time or uh, tatis i think the people were buying tatis i'm like fucking i'm buying pools you know i was like no 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 i'm gonna buy pools and so I did the same thing with Maggie and uh, except I didn't buy like a ton of like expensive stuff. Instead, like what I did was I went through like value boxes and I grabbed like so many parallels of like out of 50, out of like, mm-hmm. out of 10, out of five, out of 150, like, like just nice looking cards. Like I remember I, I, I pulled out this morning, like a tops um, diamond anniversary edition. So like the trout set, like the 2011 mm-hmm. and uh, it was like a, it was the home run leaders, the AL home run leaders with Paul Canerco, uh, Jose Bautista, and Miggy. Yeah. And just like looking at that card and like how shiny it was and like rem- remembering 2011 and like Trout. And uh, and then, you know, I'm remembering Paul Canerco and Jose Bautista in his prime and, and Miggy and, and how they all, all used to go toe to toe in terms of like just pelting them. I was like, this card is, I mean, I probably picked it up for like 50 cents, but I was like, I, it just gave me like, you know, five, six minutes of, of nostalgia. And in fact, a little bit more than that, because I ended up going like looking up like 2011 home run leaders. And like, I'm like, how, how long was like Miggy like still relevant for before he started like that downward traje- trajectory, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, I agree with you, man. Value box hunting is, is, I mean, where I spent a lot of time, like, at the expo which we have coming up in about six weeks time it's like the biggest sports card show in canada uh specifically the fall expo but one in the spring is it's great but it's not like the fall one the fall one's like weather's getting cool it's like borderline winter outside you know hockey's in full swing basketball's in full swing and like it's just very it's like right before the holidays like very there's like a, a lot of togetherness uh at the expo and it's not just hockey either. Like you should see, like there's like tons of basketball and football and like F1, soccer. And, you know, the first day, so the, the day that all the dealers, it's like the, the VIP day or whatever, is my favorite day by a mile because it's like me and a bunch of other people who are just like, to, to, I don't know, they just have like their stuff out and I literally pull up a chair and I just go through value boxes for... I know I would say probably two, three hours, man. Like it's like literally that and just going up and like talking to people and be like, yo, I hope you guys are ready for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like it's gonna be wild. This is four days. And it's it just feels like, you know, this is the reason why I'm like in this industry. You know, like this moment right here where like I'm like saying hi to a bunch of people that I'm like either friends with or like our acquaintances or I've known for quite some time, or people flying in from like outside the city and just like sitting here with a big ass box of cards and just looking through 
50 cents, you know, $1, $2, and not even really caring about like, rarely will you see me being like, how much does this card cost? And like, how much am I paying for it? You know, like, especially when it comes to like a value box, it's more so like when I'm in a value box, it's like, no, no, I get, I get the feels from this card or I get the, I mean, oftentimes, I mean, I, I allocate like 150, 200 bucks to value boxes. And again, it's not like most of the time it's not, you know, how, like how much can I flip this for? It's, it's like, what of nostalgia, like, can I bring home? And then like the rest of the, the buying is, you know, some, somewhat strategic, but you know, I try to allocate like a certain amount of funds to just strictly just like being in that present moment with the cards. You're uh you're spinning game right now. Yeah. So first off, yeah, cause I think you're giving some important lessons here. First off, that's my, this, this, I completely relate to that. That's my favorite part of a show and also why it's valuable to either be in the industry or get that VIP pass because the first, that early access, dude, people know about this. Like those value boxes, that's the first thing people do is rush to go do that. So one, you can't get, do that when it's busy, man. It's just no. not possible. Exactly. So the traffic makes it yeah. too difficult and two, the best stuff is going to be there early on. And then also like talk to your dealers. That's when you're going to, you're going to be so surprised. It's very easy to like, whatever, not want to talk to people or kind of be in your own little bubble, but I'm telling you 90% of the time you have conversations with these women or men, you're going to learn a ton. They're going to be awesome people. They're going to give you a better deal. And there's, there's just like a, there's a camaraderie there. Yeah. And I think that kind of allows you to, I don't know, engage with the collecting space differently. And then also I think the, touch upon something interesting is the value boxes is strictly to your point a nostalgic like vibe feel and i think that's it's kind of hobby the hobby in its rawest form is you just sitting down going through a box looking through stuff that just speaks to you um and i would encourage anyone who hasn't done it to try it out because it's 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 fun to just look at stuff that you like and, and keep it as surface level as that well, that's exactly it, man. Like it's, and it's just the whole, the whole experience from like the cheap chair that you're given, you know, cause like, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, like just like the, yeah. the cheap fold out chair that you're given and like, maybe you get like the top of a cardboard box to put your cards in, you know, like there's like the whole thing, it, you know, even like the inserts, like I, I love that raw element and uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but like, that's what the card shows are all about. Shout out to all the dealers who have chairs. And this is a very low key thing that I, I've not a lot of people do little brown bags. Cause if I walk away with 50 cards, even if I have my own bag, it's helpful to have it in a little bag. So I guess maybe I sometimes will bring a Ziploc bag or like a little carrying case for it. Um, I have yeah. never received a brown black, brown bag. Really? Never. That's some, some old school. Uh, some of the veteran dealers. Some of them will have little brown bags. I'm telling you, dude, it's so helpful. I mean, yeah, I oh. definitely know that for sure because there are so many times where I'll come home with like even like 20 or 30. Really? And I just like, even if I have like a side bag or something, like I chucked them in there. And like I try my best to like keep them all upright and, you know, let's try to wedge them in there so they don't move around and stuff. But there's only so much you can do. Like yeah. I find every time I go to a value box, I buy way more than I ever, like, like I expect. I'm like, ah, I'm just going to grab like 10. It's like, it's like, I don't know, 10 for 10 bucks. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll grab 10, you know? And then I end up like 27. He's like, uh, I was like, fuck. <laughs> 27. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, here's another box. So sometimes I have to be like, no, like I can't. Like I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm sure I find more great stuff, but I've spent like an hour and a half here, and like I have to leave from here. I have yeah. to go do something else. Like I have to. But uh, yeah, I mean, this has been fun. Brock, talk to me. Um, you know why did why did you join Ludex? You know how did Ludex start? Yeah. Um. So I started during COVID. To give you a little backstory, how I got back into the hobby. Um, like a lot of us, we had time and breaking was kind of starting. So me and a buddy just started breaking for fun. Um, and I was spend a ton of time at my local hobby shop. Uh, shout out to Elite Sports Card Shop, Ronnie. You're the best. And uh, Brian Ludden, who was our CEO and founder, was in there one day with his son, spent an exuberant amount of money in a matter of minutes. I've never seen someone spend this much money. So immediately I'm like, all right, who is this guy? And he's showing the card uh, owner an app, kind of overhearing him talk about how this helps you identify and track your value. And literally all I could t- think about and talk about with other people was, how is there nothing out here that helps people identify what they have and track it? It didn't seem like there's because I was a new collector. I, eBay was really intimidating for me and inefficient. Um, so I kind of overheard what he was talking about. And um, in a matter of two weeks, I left my really awesome sales job and joined Ludex to help push this initiative forward. So what I think is unique about Ludex is we have now 20-ish employees. Every single person here, we're based out of Chicago. Um, every single one of us we're pretty much had our own career. And for whatever reason, there was this inclining in us to leave that job and join forces and be here. Um, which is cool. Like it's, it's fun that, you know, we all kind of believe in this, this mission and, and, uh, have this passion for, for cards. Um, and it also helped, like we raised $5 million, Brian Erlocker's an investor, Cassius Martian is an investor. Um, it's been, it's been really exciting. It's hard. It's a lot of hard work, but it's, uh, it's cool because I think the reason why it started is our CEO, like a lot of us, went to go look at a card and it was either $5 or it was $5,000. And rather than being like, you know what, whatever, he left his job as being a trader and decided to solve the problem, um, which is sweet. It's, it's really cool to be a part of something like that. So day by day, we're just trying to make this stuff easier and more fun. I love it. So do you want to uh, get the listeners a little bit, a little bit excited? Like are, are there things that you can tease that are on the way, except for like cleaning up the betas <laughs> oh i didn't even answer that question i said i would and i just completely no, you said like two three months right yeah no but still okay so i'll get up on your touch upon your point but what we're trying to do a better job with and we're not gonna be perfect but i think we will be this this company going forward is telling people what we have and, and how we're doing it um so we have a whole mx team a member experience team if you're having issues finding a card or having issues with your app reach out to them. Like we have resources dedicated like through email or like yes. on the app. Yeah. There's an email and I can, okay. I'll tag it to you so you can plug it in here. Cool. Um, or reach out to our content team. Like we, we do a ton of content, follow the Ludex page, follow guys like yourself. Like I think what's going to be important for us is educating users on not only what our app is capable of, but also some of the nuances behind it. Like some of the grading stuff you're talking about, where to sell your card, how to sell your card. Um, so we're going to be, we're really focused on being an ally to the collector and being an honest ally. Um, new stuff that we're working on, this eBay list tool is, it's rev, it's groundbreaking. It's revolutionary. Like yeah. to be able to list a card in 20 seconds accurately 
is wild. So that's the forefront of what we're working on right now. Um, eventually, there will be the ability to do that with graders. So we'll, we'll, we'll have the ability to one-click to graders. Um, but I think for us, and this is some of my vision, but also something that we want to do, is connecting uh, the physical hobby shops and dealers with the collectors and even inter having interactive show elements. Um, so we've talked about virtual dollar boxes, virtual value boxes. So if you're not at a show, you still have the ability to look through someone's collection or let's say it's the national and you're, you can't go by your favorite booth because of traffic or you're bogged down, still having the ability to see what someone's inventory is and buy it so that you as a dealer don't miss out on that deal. And then me as a collector, I don't miss out on that deal. Um, those are a couple of the, the roadmap y kind of stuff that I think we'll, we'll definitely get to. Um, but in short, really identifying cards at a really, really, really high rate. That's our, that's, that's who we are. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, that's like, that, that's our bread that, That's, that's, that's what we, you know, if that gets like, I mean, even if you guys get like five or 10% better at this, right. Like I said, if the, the, if the hockey gets cleaned up, if soccer gets cleaned up, if like, like the things that you guys aren't 100% on right now, if, if you're able to identify a card from like, like a hockey card from like an OPG set from 1967, like, I mean, it's game over. You know, like that's like, I mean, it's huge, right? It's massive because I'm sure there's like many people who are going through their binders. I mean, I know people, like I go to my local hobby shop at least once a week, shout out relics. And um, while I'm there, like there's people that call in and they're like, hey, like, do you guys, do you guys want to check out like my collection? And they're like, well, yeah, for sure. Like we're always looking, like, if you don't mind me asking, like, like what's the era? And they often say like 1990. And they're, like, and they're like, oh, you know, like just a heads up, like, there's a very select number of cards that we're looking for from like the nineties. Um, you know, you're more than welcome to bring it in, but you know, chances are we're probably not looking for like 90 stuff unless it's like refractors or numbered cards. And uh, you know, that would be a step that they're able to establish on their own, you know, instead of having to ask someone blindly, like how much is this worth? You know, they're, they'd actually be able to manually go through and to your point, it's actually kind of fun. Like when you rediscover things to so, like, I mean, even if, even if it's a dollar here, dollar there, 50 cents there, you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like this binder is like a hundred bucks. Like not to say that you're going to get a hundred bucks from someone, but like still you're like, okay, like here, here's what the value of like this combined stuff is. Right. So I think, um, yeah, I think I, uh, the, the goal should just be like, get really good at this one thing. You know what I mean? Like, just like, and, and I feel like you guys are on that track already. Uh, every time you and I talk, like there's new things being added uh you know i i frequently let you know like if i scan something it didn't work and i think that if more people had dialogue like this um you know actually reach out to your team and said hey like i tried to scan like this card it didn't work you know maybe it's just a matter of like you guys missing that one card or maybe you guys don't have that set and maybe that that might be the initiative to like add that set right so i think that the only way that that stuff like this works is with continued input from the hobby and that troubleshooting needs to come from the hobby. And to your point uh, about, you know, having transparency, it's like a two-way street, right? Like you guys can be 100% open, but the hobby also needs to give that same feedback. And, and you know, this way, everyone's happy in this space. So uh, that's my two cents. No, well, and if you don't mind if I add a little to that, no, I, of course that's not. super important. 100%. Like I, I, I think 
it's not an issue, but there's there's a little bit of a gatekeeping here where the collectors are so far removed from the brands that they're interacting with and buying with. Like you, you see so much online, like people complain to PSA and, and these brands are doing a good job, a better job of interacting and yeah. hearing intake. But for us, we're in a very unique position because if you don't tell us, maybe we did just miss that one card. Yeah. Maybe we didn't even know about it. Um, most, of, most of the time, that's not the case. But we also want to f- make the collector feel valued. And we also, maybe that will shift our priority of like, oh man, all these people are scanning this and we don't have that. Well, that's so exactly we- it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you, yeah. like for instance, you yeah. brought that to yeah. our case. Like we're, we're a, we've been around for a year and a half. Um, it's only going to get as good as the collectors kind of help us shape it. And obviously yeah. we have our tech team who's working their butt off and we'll get there, but it's helpful to have input. And I think it also adds value to the collector to know that there's a brand out there looking out for them. And then also I think from the hobby shop standpoint, this is something, some feedback I've gotten is if you're a new collector or you have a collection to your point, like Ludix will give you an expectation of what you have because so often people see, you know, a Michael Jordan card or a Charizard and you're like, Whoa, like I'm going to call my hobby shop and get $10,000. Like I've been in the hobby shop so many times when those yeah. calls come in yeah. and it's really frustrating for them. So, but then also on the, on the hobby show, because they think they're being cheated, right? They're thinking they're getting like ripped off or, you know, like, like, Oh, I know what I have. Right. Like that. Like, yeah. Or just, it completely, it puts that excitement. It's, it halts it. So maybe like if you had a positive experience, you would have continued to buy other cards or interact, but now that you're like, well, fuck, like this isn't what I thought it was. I'm done. Yeah. Um, Also then from the hobby shop standpoint, this new one click and, and we're offering an enterprise package soon it allows for these collections to stay with you because so often you might not have the manpower or it might not be worth your time to sell it. But now there's a tool that's going to do the work for you. So rather than that, you know, potentially $400 collection that it's not really worth your time, there might be more of a value add there because you could then they could consign it through you or they could sell it through your hobby shop. Or I think that's kind of what our tool is going to be able to help do is, allow hobby shops to do a little more business because it'd allow for almost another employee to be there to help them list or ingest more inventory. Yeah. I think it's great. And I think that, that there's definitely ample opportunity for that in space. Yeah. Brock, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast today. Uh, any last minute plugs? Obviously everyone needs to check out Ludix. And yeah. it's free, it's literally yeah. free. So you don't, I don't want to hear it costs money. <laughs> okay. Listen, there's like the free, there's a free version. Like two, you said 200 scans, uh, thousand scans. Oh, I get 200, 200 scans, 200 scans. beautiful. Yeah. See, come on, um, at least check it out. If it doesn't work for you, please let one of us know. And then we can keep this going. We can have feedback loop open. If you scan the card, it didn't work for you. It's the only way it gets better. Yeah. Um, anything else, sir? No, I'd say download Ludx, follow our social channels, the Ludx on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. And I would say to your users, obviously they follow you. So they know, but follow people like coach Co, like a cashless Marsh, like people who are educating, helping the hobby being real because they're going to bring this information to you as a collector. And it's just going to make your experience a lot better. And you guys are really important. So thank you, man, for having me on and, and doing all you do. Appreciate you, man. Team. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of a cardboard coach featuring Brock Snyder from Ludex. As always, Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. Coach Co. and Ludex are out of here. Peace.